Good morning. It is the 4th of July in Australia. It is 10 past 10 in the morning on a Monday morning. Well, it is for me anyway. It won't be for you because you're listening retrospectively unless you've found some means to bend the time-space continuum. I'm watching um, Umbrella Academy on Netflix at the moment, which, you know... If you're going to bed with a belly full of MSG, or you're prone to, um, you know, having nightmares and the such, then I suggest that you don't watch that before you go to bed. But I've uh, managed to reclaim my sanity this morning. Well, what's left of it anyway? Big weekend of fights. We had big weekend of fights uh, for our gym, and on Rogue MMA, a couple interclub fights the next day as well. Um, and then domestically in Australia too, we had some pretty exciting things happen. We had um, uh, some really cool uh, uh, boxing fights, and an Australian claim a world title, IBF world title, and we had war on the return of war on the shore to the Star Casino in Queensland. Queensland Muay Thai is back, but um. I hope your day started well. You know, sometimes when you get up in the morning and you know you might be feeling a little bit dusty or crusty, or you got to get up earlier than you'd like. You get out of the shower and you go to the sock drawer. I'm not sure what kind of personality type is reflected in your sock drawer, but if it's anything like mine, none of the socks are together. Nothing's paired up. Half of them are still inside out. You know when you like delve into that drawer and you reach in and you just pull out. Out of all your socks, there's probably about 80 socks all mismatched in mine. And you pull out, first crack, you pull out just two of the same sock. Man, that gets a gets your day off to a good start, doesn't it? So wherever you're listening from, I hope that your week started off with a pair of matching socks. Because mine did, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. So on the weekend, we um, had some fights. And, um, you know, there's there's some... I think there's a, there's a, a theme that... Um, thinking about it now, that kind of encapsulates both our fights on the weekend... And also, um, maybe we'll talk about uh, the IBF uh, world title that occurred on the weekend too, because I think there's probably some transferables there. And that's the a theme of overcoming adversity. Overcoming adversity. So we had, first up, let's talk about, let's talk about Sammy, Barry Ball. So Sammy's fight on Rogue MMA uh, was bloody exciting. It's in a big old cage, eight meter cage, really nice cage, the Melbourne Pavilion, absolutely packed. It was a really good looking show and all the fights were very evenly matched. And an eight meter cage suits someone like Sammy because she likes to spin. She likes to try and kick people's heads off. And so, it gives you a lot of room to move, an eight meter cage. 
and that was the plan. But, you know, sometimes when the, the fight starts and you touch gloves, you just want to throw her down. And Sammy decided that she just wanted to plant her feet and just trade punches because she's a maniac. So the fight started, touch gloves. She threw a one-two, got hit with a one-two, moved backwards, threw a spinning head kick right into the girl's mouth. The girl didn't stop. What's her name? something Kim Kim didn't stop because she's also a maniac and both girls were and Sam was backed up to the cage and most people would go you know this probably isn't the best spot um, but Sam goes now nah, just plant my feet and just go bop, 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 bop. and they stood there both just going throwing non-stop punches and then Sam got taken down which wasn't the plan. She got stuck on the bottom and half guard. Another girl had good top pressure. And Sammy's underhook side was stuck up against the fence. And um, every time she tried to come up to an elbow, she got uh, just flattened back out again. And she was stuck there. And so coming out, and that was the pretty much the entire round. So um, she also got um, struck a few times on the ground. So we assumed that we lost that one. Coming into the second round, we go, you know what, Sammy, let's just, this round, let's just stick and move like a sniper. Just touch her, use the eight meter cage and just move laterally, pick her off. Um, but coming in the second round, she got taken down again from the clinch, good strong clinch, the other girl had. Got stuck on her back the entire round. So coming back to the corner, uh, after the second, we knew that we were two rounds down and that we needed something big. But we trusted her girl. And um, she was still smiling and, and enjoying the process and uh, listening well. So we said, Sammy, this round, you have to take this girl out. Want you to come out as soon as the round starts. Want you to tuck, want you to jab at her gloves, double leg, and then you're going to attack the whole rest of the fight for submission because we know she can grapple we know she we've got good wrestling we've got good grap we've got good grappling um, we just knew that we didn't want to be on the bottom anymore so what does she do she comes out jabs the gloves huge double leg slams poor old Kim into the ground moves from half guard to mount moves from uh, mount and exposes the back Goes from the back, attacks the rear naked. Kim defended well, peeled off the hands. It's hard on those um, larger amateur gloves. So Sam locks up an arm, switches to an arm bar, extends the arm. Kim postures up well. So Sam pulls her down, puts her in a triangle. Kim defends the triangle really well. Goes from a triangle back to an arm bar. Goes from the armbar back to a triangle and then back to the armbar one more time. Gets the win. 30 seconds left on the clock. Crowd goes wild. Sammy's mum continues going wild. Maddie Ritalik, the grappling coach, gets a hemorrhoid. And it was a good day. Because, not just because Sammy got the win, but those ones are so much sweeter, eh? When you are faced with adversity, 
and you have the opportunity to let that over adversity overrun you and it's easy to take the out but you dig deep right up to the last minute and you persevere and overcome the odds and you get the win they my friends are the ones where the moments where we learn the most about ourselves eh? where we build and reinforce our own self-efficacy they help us in the future moving forward because in hard times we're more inclined then to reframe them and see them as an opportunity to learn and to grow and we're more inclined to be positive in those moments you know you learn a lot about yourself in those moments you know if we if there's like that old analogy like there's two safe places in a fight and that's all the way out or all the way in you know so we're that's true for striking you know people can't punch you if you're all the way in if you're chest to chest people can't punch you if you're all the way out out of range but if you're sitting in the mid-range bobbing and weaving that's when you can both both strike both get clipped but it's true in terms of you know when you choose in life to invest yourself into something if you it's safe if you don't invest yourself at all there's no opportunity for growth there and if you're kind of halfway in if you're kind of in that mid-range putting half the effort in there's more risk involved in terms of failure or getting knocked back if you're all the way in if you invest a hundred percent that's when you give yourself the highest probability chance of being successful and I was proud of Sammy on the weekend for doing that and it feels good to do that you know once <laughs> oh my god this is a terrible story to tell but when I was uh, when I was a young man just a whippersnapper living in Ellerslie in Auckland um, my mum ha- uh, had her cousins come up from Todong and, and, uh, for lunch and they were stopping through and we hadn't seen them in a long time she went and got a nice loaf of bread from the bakery and um, some eggs and you know we're living reasonably humbly I guess and uh, good New Zealand style she's like oh yeah I'll make some uh, kind of egg sandwiches as people used to do in the early 90s. You know, a little bit of a little bit of boiled egg all kind of chopped up with a bit of curry and then, you know, a little bit of parsley from the garden. Mmm. And then, uh, so we're all sitting around the table and mum brings out these sammies. And, uh, you know, guests eat first. My mum's cousin puts the sandwich to her mouth, takes a bite and... And her eyes start watering. And then, and then one of the other cousins takes a bite and um, kind of goes bright red. See the veins tense in his neck. And he um, suddenly uh, leaves the dining room. And we hear him um, spitting it out in the sink. And so my mum, mortified, not knowing what's going on, not knowing, not knowing what's going on, Asked, kind of shocked, what's wrong? 
And uh, my cousin goes, I think you should taste it. And so my mum tastes it and the same, has the same reaction because the sandwiches taste like human urine. Not, not a little bit, like they taste exactly like human urine. And it was in that moment, it was in that moment that I knew that I had really stuffed up. And everyone was, in, my mum was embarrassed and she went off to the kitchen and goes, oh, I don't know what's gone wrong. She threw the sandwiches out and started making someone else and trying to, trying to smooth it over. So I'm not sure how you smooth that over. Cousins thought we'd try to poison them for their, um, for their, uh, their vast estate, trying to get them out of the, trying to knock them off a little bit of um, piss poisoning. And I was carrying this burden and uh, I didn't know how to approach it at that time because I never had a courageous conversation. And it wasn't until my cousins left that night I knew I had to say something. So I asked mum if I could speak to her and I went up to her and I said, mum, I have to tell you something. She said, what son? I said, mum, every time I get up in the morning, I walk outside and I piss in the parsley pot. It's a hard conversation to have with your mother. Especially when she's then fed that parsley to your dear old cousins. But mum and uh, my dad, they burst out laughing because they saw the funny side in it and all of a sudden all this stress and this burden was lifted from my shoulders. The piss bandit was revealed but it felt good in that moment to come say the truth and to get it off my chest and to be honest. And that equipped me well, having that courageous conversation, overcoming a bit of adversity and taught me uh, a few things about having courageous conversations later in life. So there you go, the piss bandit, big willy. Tender age of 12 years old, pissing in the parsley. Not sure how I went down that tangent. Anyway. Oh yeah, that's right. So Sam overcame adversity. Fight of the night. Easy. What a legend. Love Sammy. On to the next for Sammy. And then David. Young David Versace. Versace Dave, as we call him. You don't know why we... So Versace Dave is um quite a character like <laughs> i didn't know that i didn't i didn't sense that dave was made for the limelight until the weekend um but that boy loves a camera and i should have known because he rocked up to the gym that week with a versace print shaved into the side of his head hence the name but he hammed it up he was loving it there's a little bit there's a little bit of the diaz brothers and versace dave there's a little bit of the Versace, Dave and the Diaz brothers. So the plan was to come out of box initially and earlier in the round and to just win the position against the southpaw, jab under his lead hand and hook over the top of it to set up his cross. 
and he did a really good job of it. Did a good job of it. Um, probably overloaded on his shots a little bit in the first round. Ended up in the clinch versus a bit of a judoka. Jeez, I'll tell you what we're covering this week is how to defend against hip tosses. A lot of our guys are kind of sticking on the side of the judokas with a whizzer, which is a great way to get put on your ass. But, you know, lessons learned. Um, and that's what happened. Dave managed to scramble up, wrestle up really well. He's got good wrestling, young Dave, as, as all of our fighters do. Jesse Arnott's wrestling. Both Sammy and um, Dave's wrestling was great on the weekend. Um, but again, we ended up getting stuck in half guard later in that round. Very close round, though, the first round, I found. Um, Dave's opponent was inclined to kind of just sit on top and not do anything which was the same with Sammy's opponent, but um, so at least Sammy's opponent managed to get some ground and pound off. Dave's opponent didn't really do much at all. Dave was tying him, tying him up quite well. And because there's no elbows in amateur MMA, it's, you know, you need a bit of room and space to punch. Um, and Dave landed some uh, some really good shots in the first round, so we're, we're and a big slam actually picked him up almost put him inside of a chandelier big Versace Dave slammed it back down earth so the first round was very close we knew that second round uh, Dave striking looked a lot better just touching him coming into the second um, setting up his shots nicely uh, spent a bit of time in the clinch up against the fence but again his opponent didn't really do anything these days it's not it's effective striking and effective grappling. Effective grappling isn't just pushing someone up against the cage or just holding them on the ground. You you have to be attacking and you have to be um, you have to really be dominating your opponent with your grapple to to get ahead in the fight. It's not just enough to light lay on top. And um, Dave landed some good knees, and at the very end of the second round, he came out and landed some really good punches. I gave him the old Diaz, "What's up?" hands open landed some good shots so I thought I was pretty confident that we won the second round first one close second one I thought we won and then in between rounds second and third young Dave needed a little bit of a rev up because you see Dave look I'll be honest apologies if his parents are listening but I saw Dave walk into the tobacconist a few weeks ago this is a boy who's having his MMA debut a couple of weeks I saw him busted him I was driving past, I was going to get myself some sushi. And I saw Dave walking to the tobacconist. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to hang around here for a second. So I got out of the car when Dave came out of the tobacconist. I went and started searching his person, patting him down. But he's tricky. He's sneaky little son of a gun. is Versace Dave, and I think he'd put the cigarettes or the vape in his missus' handbag. Because he was... He was clean in that moment, and I didn't have a warrant to um, to search his missus. It would have been entirely inappropriate. It was probably inappropriate in the first place. Might have been overstepping my bounds. So, Dave, lungs compromised, heading into the third. Need a little bit of a rib up. And uh, we gave him one. And he came out and looked good in the third. Looked great. But taken down, but managed to wrestle up. Wrestled up, got top position. And just um, went through a Matty Retallick sequence that he'd been drilling with the guys all week. Passed him out. 
went to the crucifix, spent a little bit of time crucifix, punching his man in the head. And then, to everyone's shock and horror, rolled into a triangle. A good triangle. And it was very, very tight. Held his, held his man in the triangle for about 40 seconds, punched him in the head, and for those who were in attendance, they may have heard Dave say, just tap. Just tap. But his man didn't. When he stood up, the bell went while he was still deep in the triangle. Final clappers. The guy stood up, so wobbly, almost passed out. So he was very, very close. Very, very close. Dave again. A young man. Versace Dave. He's like David versus Goliath every time he steps on the mats at the gym. Always the smallest. Had to calorie carb load to make the flyweight division. When we get that boy some uh, strength and conditioning program for his next fight. But he had to persevere. And he came out the other side and that feels good. I was not surprised. Because Dave, I know his capacity for overcoming adversity. And this was no different. He's... Dave will understand a lot about himself moving forward out of this fight, both in a personal capacity and as part of his athletic identity. He'll know that he doesn't have the capacity to quit and that he can over overcome all challenges. And he knows now what it feels like to come out the other side with your hands raised. And we could see the elation and his beady little eyes. Versace Dave, ladies and gentlemen. Piss and parsley egg sandwiches. Just remember that next time you confront him with a little bit of adversity. And young Matthew Kindred, he was up first. Some people's fight happens in the cage. Some people's fight happens before they even set foot in the cage. And Matt had his fight before he even got in the cage. And he understands things about himself. And we as a team were there in his, uh, in his corner before he even got in. And he got the win. Matty got the win. He didn't get the win in the cage, but he got the win in his fight that happened before the cage. Happy Feet loves MMA. And that's what we will continue to uh, support him in, his love and his passion for MMA. And the team that was behind him uh, at the back and the team that was behind him in the crowd will continue to be behind him, be behind him in uh, all things he does in his life. But we're going to take a break from fighting for a while. Happy feet. So on Saturday night, oh, actually, yeah, what is this? oh yeah, so after the fight, so this was on Friday, we... 
uh, went and got a kebab on the way home. Carload of us, almost. Um, so I had a lamb kebab. I was a bit disappointed in my lamb kebab actually, because we went to the one in Footscray. Um, and he, you know, usually I'm a bit of a mixed kebab kind of guy. Like I find like at times of night, later in the night, the lamb can be quite dry. And especially if you get if the garlic sauce isn't the right consistency, just the the lamb kebab by itself, it sometimes be a bit of a disappointment. Like when I get to the bottom of my kebab, I want to complain about how much juice is in there. I want to complain that I'm getting on my shirt. I want to have the opportunity to whinge, even if there's no one there to listen. I don't want to get to the bottom of my kebab and be able to use it to dry my face. So I got the lamb kebab next time, mixed all day of the week. A little bit of garlic, a little bit of chili, extra jalapenos, let's go. One of the reasons I wanted to get the kebab on the way home, because I was the sober driver. Everyone else was a little bit pissed in the car, so I thought maybe kebab would just uh, kind of nib the chatter in the butt on the long drive home. So me, Maddie Retallick, Roy Warbread, Armistead, Lani, Bones Williams, Young Marley. We rocked out to the kebab shop. And who do we bump into? The middle of Footscray. Dylan Morris, the muscle hamster. Morrow Bar, get more go with Morrow. Shani, the pit boss Smith. And Nicola, Stonewall, Rigoni. All helping themselves to a kebab. We almost had a fight with a junkie. Had to restrain Lani. Um, put him in the car put her in the car because she was going to punch the man who was already covered in blood because uh, he's being a little bit aggressive in his pursuit of a lighter. He just wanted a cigarette. He had rolled the cigarette that looked like a lunchbox with a lunch hanging out of it. It wasn't a pretty sight. If there was ever a poster boy for giving up smoking, um, this was your guy. Good old Footscray. Um... So there you go. Can't remember where I was going with that. I'm sure it was good. Oh yeah, and then so Saturday night we got Saturday night. Um, Lani went out and I watched uh, War on the Shore and the boxing at the same time on main event. Jay Opatia fighting for a IBF World Title, and that's uh, that's the big boy belt. That's not that's not your kind of. Um, world champion, uh, you know, Ho-Hum, Bangla Stadium, Patong Stadium, how's your, how you going, wish.com bout. This is the this is the big boy bout, the IBF cruiserweight title. And at the same time, on the, on the laptop, I had War on the Shore, which saw a fantastic return of Muay Thai on the big stage to Queensland. They've been a little bit quiet up there recently. You know, there are a few shows... But um, this felt big. Felt like a bit of return to the golden era, you see. The golden era of uh, Queensland Muay Thai. It was in the Stars Casino. And it was everything you would expect from a Queensland casino. There was dancing girls. There was a lot of tables. There was lots of men with red TNs. And um, Brown Penis, which is his name. I kid you not, if you don't believe me, then have a look at um, 
have a look at it on the penis about P-I-N-A-S, so penis, brown penis, for James Honey. James Honey got the win, which was um, unexpected. I don't think brown penis um, would go down like that. I thought he would... Um, <laughs> I thought brown penis would st stand up for the big occasion. Uh, but he didn't. He had a flaccid performance and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, excuse me, and Honey got the win. Cheapers uh, creepers. This was a family podcast. Um, what else was there? Oh, uh, Abdullah, uh, Ibi from PTJ in Sydney for Tom Cannon, and that kid. That kid is a ghost. No one can beat him. I tell you right now, no one beats Ibi at fifty-seven kgs on the domestic scene at the moment. This is too good. Too technical, he's not there to hit. Especially over three rounds. I think you need five rounds to beat this kid. The ghost, you can't touch him. He's just so good at playing off the back foot and doing just enough. Great at um, negating a, a clinch game. And yeah, Tom Cannon, a couple of years on, it was his last time Tom Cannon fought was against our boy, Isaac Tomlinson on Rebellion. I called that fight. And, um, uh, yeah, just couldn't couldn't get couldn't get hold of him. It'd be bloody frustrating, I reckon. It's like trying to fight the wind, I'm trying to fight Casper the ghost. Just can't quite put hands on the kid. And there's some other fights as well. But um, hey, I tell you what, Victorian Muay Thai, best in the country at the moment, hands down. Like there's superstars in other states, interstate. Yes, absolutely. Some of the top top fighters in the country are come from out of state but on mass Victorian Muay Thai the best I'll tell you right now and it hasn't been that way for a while you know we saw Western Australia come down to the last rebellion and roots all of them lost Victoria got the win see you later mate piss off back to Western Australia you know, Victoria the the roots system development system the moy victes to getting the job done mate somebody stop us no one's no one will stop us on mass watch it next five years you see where victoria is at unstoppable and then this theme of kind of overcoming adversity kind of carries over to the dry opatea fight so Jai, only a young man, but about, I think he's about 20 and 0, or 21 and 0. 20, 20 and 1, perhaps. Um, he's been fighting since he was very young. He, um, different, I, I, I wouldn't have said he was the favourite going into this fight. In fact, I tried to put a bet the other way, but betting had closed, luckily. So he comes out looking so crisp controlling the lead hand and just throwing his cross with zero towel look there's a real difference between there's such a like there's beauty in a cross from a southpaw that's thrown with no towel and that has power it's like a laser guided missile especially against the you know against the in an open stance against an orthodox fighter and he was just on the money with it. His jab was beautiful. Bust his opponent's nose early. 
Now, this is where it gets interesting. See, later in the fight, Jay's jaw was hanging wide open with red, dark red blood coming out of it. And if you know anything about fighting and about fighting an injury, that's, that's a broken jaw. He couldn't close his jaw. Now, it turns out that Opitaya broke his jaw in the second round on one side. And if you Google it, Jaya Opitaya X-ray, you'll see that the break was clean. So his jaw was disconnected on one side of his body, on one side of his face. And then, in the sixth round, it was an uppercut that broke the other side of his jaw. So his jaw at this point is connected to his face by fascia, by, by skin, and by sinew, and not by bone. Yet he persevered because it meant so much to him, this kid. You could see how much it meant to him. The world title. An Australian winning the Cruiserweight world title. It meant so much to him. His ho a whole life of work. The Samoan Australian. A whole life of work. And he, he wore a couple huge uppercuts to his jaw later in the fight. At one stage, he had to cling on for his legs were so wobbly. Imagine having a broken jaw on both sides, getting hit with the biggest uppercut of your life and going, you know what? What means more to me in this moment is what's just on the other side of that hill. And he continues clambering up the hill. His corner spurred him on. The last round, in between the last the last uh, the the penultimate and the last round. His jaw hanging wide open, couldn't talk. His corner knew. They tried to shield his jaw from the, the doctor with their bodies. Dark red blood hanging out of his mouth, coming out of his mouth, and he went out to fight the last round. Broken jaw. After the fight, once he had that belt put around his waist, like all the emotion came pouring out, he couldn't talk because his jaw was so broken. And they gave him the mic and he just yelled into it. That was an incredible moment. Like, what a story. The IBF World Cruiserweight title. Jay Opitaya. Far out, man. Like, for all the shit that happens in boxing, sometimes... Sometimes there is no greater sport in the world. Moments like that. And it sets up... <laughs> It sets up big things. I don't. If you're not into boxing, I don't know if you can quite grasp how big this is. This is bigger than the Cambosis win. Like he looked, he looked class the entire fight. This is this is huge. The IBF world title. You know, there'll probably be a rematch. Like it'd be a long way. There'll be a long bit of distance, a bit of road to cover in between now and when he can get back in there with. Broke, the jaw broken on both sides I don't know if there was a rematch clause there probably will be but you know there's, there's big things in store Australian boxing's in a, on a bit of a bit of a um, up and up at the moment you know and that Alanga what's his name Alanga Makubu the Congolese South African boxer 
at Cruiserweight has held the WBC title for a long, long time now. You know, he's, he's been unbeaten. Like perhaps there's a unification opportunity in there for Jai, and that would be big indeed. And I'll tell you what, right now, his style matches up very nicely against Makubu. Oh, that just gets me... That just gets me... Um, up for the big one. Piss and parsley sandwiches, my friends. When the going gets tough, when you're faced with adversity, just keep climbing that hill because the other on the other side is good things. Proud of my team from this weekend. I'm proud of proud of the crew. Proud of my crew fought on rogue. I'm proud of my my corners who did a spectacular job. I'm proud of my crew who are just getting their journey started on the Interclub on Sunday. All good results. Bones MMA baby. Big things just over that hill. Piss and parsley sandwiches. And matching socks. <laughs>